Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your will. We thank you for your presence. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're in this place. Lord, we submit ourselves to the authority of your presence that is in this room today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we submit ourselves, Lord God, to spiritual authority. We submit ourselves, Lord God, to the authority of the Holy Ghost. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we release angels in this place, Lord God, to fight with us, Lord, in the spirit, Lord, today, in the name of Jesus, Lord. God, I pray, Lord God, that as your angels come in this room, Lord, I pray, God, the faith of people, Lord God, will be lifted up. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, a hedge of protection around every person that is in this room. I pray, Lord God, that dominion would be taken today by the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, we come against every spirit. We come against every curse. We come against every assignment of the enemy. In the name of Jesus today, Lord God, I pray for deliverance. I pray for breakthrough, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that strongholds come down. I pray that people will be filled with the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that your perfect will will be done in this house. Come on, church. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that your perfect will will be done in this house. I pray, Lord, that the silliness ripped off. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, for great breakthrough. In Jesus' name. Everybody worship the Lord all over this house. And shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. wonderful to be back here in Antioch. Amen. It is an honor once again to be here. I give honor to your pastor, Pastor Wright. Amen. Wonderful man. He's the real deal. the authority of God's presence in this house. Amen. I, you can sit down. chapter 10 verse 17 it says in the 70 returned with joy saying Lord even the devils are subject unto us through thy name and he said unto them I beheld Satan as lightning fall from the heavens behold I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions 
and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You can be seated. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. He sent them two and two, he sent them two and two before the face, before his face. In every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said unto them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye the, therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Go your ways, all, behold, I send you forth as lamb among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter into, First say, peace be unto this house. And if, the son, and if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And in whatsoever city you enter into, and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, Behold, say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. And in whatsoever city you enter, they receive you not. Go your way into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in the day of Sodom than for that city. It was in 2008 God told me to pack up everything. Told me and my wife to come off, told her to come off of her job. Told me to shut down the business. And he said, I want you to travel this world full-time evangelizing. Several years before that, I would go into my own city taking sound equipment. I'd set up on corners, and I would preach until people showed up. I would take one corner one week and go to another corner the next week 
And it was on those corners that we saw people that were drug dealers, drug addicts, pimps, prostitutes. We would see them come up one by one breaking before the anointing of God. See, the scripture declares that the anointing is what destroys the yoke. And if you haven't realized it or not, the world has a major yoke upon it. Every city, every community has some kind of yoke that's put upon it. But nevertheless, when I would go into those areas, sometimes when me and my wife would be by ourselves, we'd go into those areas and people would come in and God would baptize people. People would get their sins washed away. People were filled with the Holy Ghost. Miracles would happen. And I remember for a long time I, 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 I resented or uh, shied away from wanting to preach to the church. I didn't feel like I had what it took. Because it seemed as though people in church, their whole desire was completely different than the people that were on the street. Because the people that were on the street were not necessarily sizing me up when I was preaching. But when I came into the church, the church had a tendency to want a certain type of skill. They wanted someone that was crafty. They wanted someone that could possibly say something the same way or say, speak about something that's been spoken before. But if you can speak it in a completely different way, it appeared that those were the ones that people rejoiced over. It was almost as if in the church people had heard preaching for so long that preaching did not move them like the preaching moved people in the streets. Why? Because I believe that the difference is is because of a hunger. So the thing is when you're hungry and you're thirsty for righteousness, you'll be filled. It was almost like you're going into a dry, parched, desert land. And you're getting ready to bring manna. You're getting ready to bring water. You're getting ready to bring something to a people that are dying of thirst. And what would happen is when you would put it in the atmosphere, people would come from far off to come and receive from the word of God. It was after that. That I began to realize. That the true purpose of God. Was not necessarily found within a facility. But the true purpose of God was found in the field. I remember not long after that. I remember going out there for fun. Every single week we'd go and preach. And I remember one night I had a dream. 
And in this dream, I saw a fishing spot. And many people that know me know that I like to fish. And I went to a place with my fishing poles. And I went to a pond or a lake that was in a secluded area that I knew had a bunch of fish in it. But when I got to the place where the fish were, where the pond was, lo and behold, someone had built something on top of the pond. I became irate. I became upset. I became angry. Because I said, how in the world would someone cap off? Because they didn't just build something. They capped it off. How in the world would someone cap off a pond that's full of fish. So I went into the building, and when I went in, I went into a church building. I didn't know it was a church building until I went inside. And right there where the preacher was preaching at on the platform was where the pond was capped off at. And all of a sudden, I remember... The preacher beginning to preach, and it was almost as if everyone was getting up, and everyone was preaching their message, and everyone was kind of doing their thing. But then all of a sudden, what ended up occurring was a man stood up, irate and angry, and he said, I've seen this movie before. It was almost as if one of the men that when the congregation began so sick and tired of seeing the same thing over and over again, that it was losing its meaning and its purpose. And all of a sudden, I woke up. And the Lord began to speak to me, and the Lord began to deal with me then that the church has become a place of entertainment when it comes down to hearing the word of God. They have capped off the harvest. They have capped off the pond. The whole focus is centered around what you can get on the inside while robbing God of laborers that should be sent to the outside. Can I tell you that the will of God is not just found in this place? The Bible lets us know, Jesus said, the Lord has appointed 70 laborers. Can I tell you, praise the Lord, that it was in that moment back then that God appeared to do something that literally rocked my world because once again I was not an eloquent preacher but I noticed that when I got out there I could stutter and people could care less if I stuttered why because people were not listening for intellect they were listening for a message there was an anointing that was with the message that caused people to be changed. Can I tell you 
that I remember years ago when I started evangelizing. And I don't even really like to consider this even evangelizing. Because if I be honest with you, we go from church to church. Not preaching necessarily to the harvest. But preaching to the laborers that refuse to go out to the harvest. Preaching to laborers that are asleep. The Bible lets us know, he says, pray that the Lord will send laborers into the harvest. And laborers are praying that God will send preachers to the church. It was then that I began to realize through traveling the excitement, the thrill of evangelism. Going from one city to the next city. Or going from one church to another church. Going from one congregation to another congregation. And seeing numbers of people filled with the Holy Ghost. Based off of people that just invited people to church. I am persuaded that if we spent more time allowing the Lord of the harvest to invite you to the field, as much as we spend trying to invite people to church, our church buildings would not be big enough to hold the harvest that God wants to give us. See, the thing is, it was then that I realized that something was wrong. It was not long after that that I began to feel like, all right, I feel like I've got this thing figured out a little bit. Started having miracles, started having signs and wonders. Would come into places and people would say, Brother Hurt, if you will make sure that people are getting the Holy Ghost, you'll be successful. If you make sure that you have miracle signs and wonders, you'll be successful. I would go on fast and I would spend time in the presence of God. I would sit back and listen to leaders that have gone before us to make myself a more effective minister. Effective in what? Effective in my giftings. Effective in my witness. Effective in my preaching. But can I tell you, praise the Lord, that even in the midst of trying to be effective, there's a harvest that's out there. To the place where you pull up every single week, and the excitement and the thrill of people. The thrill is there because there's an excitement for what you bring to the table. But they do not share that same excitement when God wants to send them to someone else's table. 
The Bible declares that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why are you talking like this? The Bible declares that Jesus appointed 70 laborers, 70 men. He sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. What do you mean? God said, I'm not going to get there until I send you first. I'm not going to go to this place until I have a forerunner first. Can I tell you, praise the Lord, that God wants to send you. See, I thought I really had this revival thing worked out. Y'all got a new one. I thought I really had this revival thing figured out. You know, seriously. You know, when you're in church and you're used to being in church and church is what you do every day, church is what you do every year, you kind of feel like at times, okay, I got this figured out. And only to figure out that you don't. You don't have it figured out. But what has occurred is that we have a system that we're using. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to perfect the system that was not designed to work. Or designed by God to work. Would you lift your hands right now? And I want you to ask God, Lord, help me to do the work. Help me to do the work. Put your hands now. The harvest. Jesus says that the harvest isn't small. He says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest But we can do church and not think once about the harvest. You can go weeks outside of the church and give not one single thought to the harvest. 
Unfortunately, we feel like the harvest is here for us instead of us being here for the harvest. You know, last year, I remember when preachers could not do their Easter services. And many of them were were broken because it's at Easter time that makes them feel like they're actually doing something. When their churches are filled to capacity with people that they will not be committed to the following week after Easter service. Our attendance record was this. Our attendance for this service was that. And we get more excited about how we can feel a sanctuary and less excited about how God has called us to feel our city. Jesus did not send them into a building. Jesus sent them into a city. See, the thing is this. Jesus tells them, this harvest is plentiful. That's why there should not be you know, there shouldn't be only 20 people getting the Holy Ghost a year. It shouldn't be only 100 people getting the Holy Ghost a year. It shouldn't be only 500 people getting the Holy Ghost a year. What are you saying, Brother Hurt? What is going on? is that we have taken all of the resources and we have placed it upon trying to fit into our service instead of using our resources to actually do the service. We mean by the hurt The harvest is here whether you want it or not. What occurs is that we say, well, we're believing God's going to send revival. I don't see that language in the book of Acts. It is something that we've regurgitated over and over again. You hear it at conferences. You hear it at camp meetings. People come by and they preach about it. And because we hear it so much, we look at it as that something is coming when God says it's already here. The issue is not with revival coming. The issue is is where the labors are coming. 
We don't need a coming of revival. We need a coming of laborers. Feels like I'm talking to a wall. Feels like I'm talking to a brick wall because, and when you're talking to a brick wall, that means that there's a hardness of the heart. The Bible declares that there's a seed sower. And, and, and it talks about that good ground, and then it talks about that rock hard, stony ground. And the only reason why that could be is because your relationship with God is centered around you and not centered around God. You're not in this thing because God called you. You're in this thing because of what you can get from God. The hardness of your heart. Scripture declares, be not a hearer of the word only, but do it. Do what? What's being preached? Do what? What's being taught? When's the last time you actually broke out your Bible to make sure your life is on track? But we're deceived and don't know it. You don't understand how deep the deception is. Reason being is because deception has intertwined itself within the culture of the church. But it's not in the culture of the kingdom. The laborers are few. Why are the laborers are few? Why? Because there are few people that are actually going to do what they hear. Few that are going to actually go out. Are you blending? Are you doing? Are, are you... I mean, I'm talking about someone that says I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just come to the house of God as a duty. I got to get something from God. And then what happens is we bring somebody else to church and say, come get something from God. And we all come together and we're talking about getting something from God. But then you go out. And you do nothing for God. You're no longer a reservoir. You're no longer a conduit. You become a reservoir. You become a collector of the things of God. But God doesn't just want you to collect them. He wants you to distribute them. We are distributors to people that are dying in a lost world. There are people that are praying right now, God, don't let me die in the harvest field. 
Wouldn't it be a sad thing if a farmer had food that was ripe, ready for the picking, but it died because no one went out to just pick it off the tree? Think about it. In a harvest field. Think about it. I went over to Africa. And the people said, they said, they said, um, a good number of our people die of starvation. And I began to look at the land. I began to look at the soil. I was like, man, that didn't make sense when I look at the soil. But they were like, you know, we, we don't have all the equipment. We don't have this and have that. So, so if, if it doesn't rain, um, if it doesn't rain or if the climate isn't right, the harvest would die. See, they die because there's a potential for the harvest to not be there. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense is when things die. Because the, when the harvest is there, you have nothing to do. You don't have to do anything. God has already done it. Christ has already done it. Christ has already performed the work. The harvest is already here. You don't have to cultivate the harvest. You don't have to pray that there be a harvest. What you have to pray is to go out and actually reap the harvest. You've got to pray that God would raise up laborers among you to go out to the harvest. God never called the laborers to pray for the harvest. But God called for us to pray for laborers. I thought I felt like I had revival figured out. But can I tell you, revival is not this. This is, if this is what revival is, this is not good stewardship. Revival goes beyond this. Revival causes a stirring, a connection to take place on the inside of you. It is not a collective thing. It's an individual thing. It's a collective, it's not a collective thing. It's an individual thing. That means, praise the Lord, that we cannot allow those that refuse to labor to become the ones that dictate the culture of the church. We have non-working laborers that control the culture of the church and you've got people that would labor that are being controlled by someone that doesn't want to actually go out. Jesus got his 70. 
He didn't give him a pulpit. He gave him a city. He sent them to a neighborhood. He sent them to a community. He sent them to a city. He sent them to an area, and he gave them power. I believe in miracles. I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. I believe in angels. I believe that blinded eyes open. I've seen them. I've seen people get up out of their wheelchairs. I've seen sick bodies healed. I've seen cancer disappear off of people. I've seen people reverse that were dying on their deathbed and God raised them. We've seen that. But why do you have to go to church to see it? Why do you have to go to the temple to see what Jesus and his disciples brought to a whole city? That's not discipleship. See, disciples are not made in a facility. Disciples aren't made in the classroom, they're made in the field. Pray. But, but while you're praying, make, you, you gotta understand that when Jesus told them to pray, that the Lord would send laborers, not to Laborers that will labor in the church building or labor in the Sunday school class. Not laborers that will labor, you know, in the children's ministry or in the youth department. Not laborers that will labor on the usher board. But laborers that will go out into the harvest. What does he say? These laborers... These people that he says, I want you to pray that God will send laborers, these people were actually laboring. You know, it's kind of hard to pray and ask God, Lord, send laborers when you're not out there laboring yourself. I understand what you do at work. I understand that you go to church. I understand that you've got a busy schedule. But can I tell you that God is not pleased with our system. Our system is more about us than it is about him and about them. Laborers, Jesus laborers, have walked away from something. Jesus' laborers had to sacrifice some things. His laborers were not just going from temple to temple. They were going from one house to the next house. One city to the next city. Whose house have you been to? Whose house have we been here, been to? 
Because see, what God's looking for, he's looking for someone that will be concerned about what's in the field. You want power? Go to the field. He didn't give you power for what you can do in here. The power is not just for what's in here. The power is for what's out there. You use the power to get them out, to get them from out there in here. Not invite them from out there to come in here to see the power. See, the thing is, church service has become the biggest evangelism effort. Of our ministry. Of our ministries. Church service, Sunday service, has become the biggest evangelism effort. The majority of people that come into your church are coming because of Sunday morning service. But church, can I tell you something that's not God's plan? One can chase a thousand. It's like almost trying to funnel something through a small system. It's like you trying to take a fire hose, something that you're trying to put out a fire. And instead of getting a fire hose, you get a water hose. A garden hose. You get something small and you try to push it. You get something great and you try to push it through something so small. God says you don't realize how big you actually are. You don't actually understand the authority and the power that you have that's on the inside of you. What would happen if there were laborers? We had more laborers than ushers. What what happens if we had laborers? You know, you can build more with laborers than you can a praise team. You can build more with laborers than you can a band. You, you can build more with laborers than you can a staff. You can build more with laborers than the Sunday school department. You can build more than laborers. Why? Because what's happened, I'm not saying that it doesn't serve a purpose. But what I am saying is if you don't have laborers, then you're not fulfilling your purpose. You can have all of this going on in here. But if you don't have labors, it's going to disconnect you from your purpose. And if you're disconnected from your purpose, then what you're doing is no longer serving a purpose. And people are not going out to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God for their life. The plan of God is bigger than what you see happening up here. 
The plan of God is in somebody's living room. The plan of God is at somebody's doorstep. The plan of God is with somebody on your job. I'm talking about something that's greater than you coming with a track in your hand. You've got power to tread upon serpents. When we deviate from the model, when we deviate from the scripture, and we begin to do what we see others do, see, Jesus said, the Son of Man doth nothing of himself. We need to repent from what we do of ourself. He said the son of man does nothing of himself, but only what he sees the father do. Church, we are guilty of not only doing what we see doing things of ourselves, we are guilty of doing things that we see others do. Well, it's working. But is it working for the good? It's working. But is it perfect? It's working. But are you losing authority and dominion with it? See, your system is not tribulation proof. All it takes is just a small disruption in the world and everything collapses. Listen, Brother Hurt. Jesus healed lepers. You know, Jesus healed lepers. Why? Because he gave power over that. Not only could he heal the lepers, but his apostles could. His disciples could. A highly contagious disease. And he gave them power over it. But when our structure is based upon what we see other people do and not based upon what we see God do, well, when the world starts doing other things and the people that we see do things that we mimic because they do it, well, when they water down, then we'll water down. When they fear, we will fear. When, 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 we, when, when they back down, we will back down. What do you mean by the hurt? I'm saying we've got to come to a place. We say, God, I want to do exactly what you said do.
that the Lord will send you laborers, send laborers to the harvest. He said, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth. Listen. He sends them with 70 people. But he didn't tell the 70 people to wait and pray. He said, while you're going, I want you to pray. See, some of us refuse to go because we're waiting for somebody else to come with us. We're waiting for a good number of people to get on board before we actually obey the voice of God. We don't need the cooperation of the masses to be successful and effective in obeying God. What we need is the cooperation of our obedience and the sensitivity to the Holy Ghost and we'll have a move of God. But a move of God is not happening because you come to where God is. A move of God happens because you move for God. I mean, if you're going to have a move of God, usually you're going to have to do something. You're either going to have to stand still. You're either going to have to stand up. You either have to go, you're either going to have to leave, you're either going to have to lay hands, or you're either going to have to preach. There's something that you're going to have to do. We don't understand this. Because we're used to a culture where I come to church on Sunday. And I got a pastor, I tell him all my problems. I got a pastor's wife, I tell her all her problems. I, I, I've got a pastoral stuff, I, I give him all my problems, all my issues. I'm fighting devils, I just want to make it to heaven. I come to the house of God, I'm listening to something that's going to lift me up. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm dealing with some things on my job. I, I want a promotion. Or I, I want a brand new house. I want a brand new car. I've got some things. My grandbabies are, getting, are, are going through some things. My children are getting on my nerves. You're looking for confirmation to get the things done of what you want. But you ignore the confirmation that gets the things that what deals with what God wants. What am I saying? I'm saying that it's not working. You know, people would rather hold on to something that's doing something than to work at something that might not really be producing much. But becoming more sensitive to God and becoming more obedient to the things of God to the place where you start becoming more effective. See, we think that effective ministry is just what's up here. Effective ministry doesn't begin up here. It begins in here. 
What are you doing? What are you going to do? Why? Because what happens is this. The more it's like this. Jesus tells his disciples. He sends them out. They return back. And it says, Lord, the devils are subject to your name. They were excited. They were thrilled. You know why? You know why Jesus rebuked them? Because their thrill was in the wrong place. Their, their, their thrill was in the wrong place. See, the thing was, the disciples come out of a strong religious culture. A system that had no power. A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That was the system. I know you go to Antioch. I know your pastor David Wright. I know your bishops Chester Wright. That don't amount to a hill of beans about who you are. You can go to the right place and be in the wrong place with God. You're not covered because you're here. I'm going to say that again. You're not covered. You're not protected because, because you're, you, it, it, it's not... It's not like, you know, just because you are a member here doesn't mean that God's just going to give you a pass. My church knows how to fight devils. Yeah, but you got to fight some yourself. What does he tell them? Tells them, I need you to pray. You got laborers. Come here, young man. You too. Come. He sends them out by twos. Oftentimes, people want to go where God is at. But Jesus sends his disciples to where he's going to go. I want you to go ahead of me. See, true disciples will go when it seems like there's nothing there. See, we want to go to the neighbor that look like they go to church. We want to go to the person that looked like they got it together, not the person that looked like they're on their way to hell. He says, I want you to get you and somebody else. You know why? Because that gives them accountability. See, the culture is you're just accountable to the leader, but you're accountable also to your brother and your sister. There's an accountability that comes when you come together. The Bible says, 
where two or three come together in my name. He says, I'm in the midst of them. He said, if two or three, he, he, said, he said, if one or two of you touch and agree on one thing, he said, I'm going to do it. You mean, Brother Hurt? The relationships that you have. Are you holding each other accountable to the harvest? Because, see, the thing is, you know, we don't mind letting things die. There are many people that have come election time, you're going to cast your vote. And somebody votes Democrat, you're going to say that's pro-abortion. But what about the harvest that you've aborted? Church aborts more people than Planned Parenthood ever could have aborted. Except we, they abort flesh, we abort spirit. There has to be someone that says, I've got to go. I've got to do something. These men weren't perfect, but they were obedient. God can do more with your obedience than he can with your perfection. Your obedience will lead you into perfection. That means there has to be room for failure. Jesus wasn't intimidated. Let's say this brother goes out here, he starts casting out devils in Walmart. He lay hands on somebody and the person gets irate and mad and maybe he missed it. That doesn't mean that you're like, well, I don't want nobody going nowhere unless you come talk to me. There has to be the liberty to follow the Holy Ghost. I don't say that that's what goes on here. Some of us have been exposed to different places. You can sit down. And what happens is when you are led by fear, when people make decisions because they are fearful that you're going to make a mistake, you'll never produce. If a mother is fearful that a child's going to fall, when he rides his bike, he will never learn the ride. You've got to give room for mistakes. Church, you've got to give room for mistakes out of your brother, out of your sister, out of your children, out of your ministry, out of yourself. He didn't send perfect men into the harvest. You don't have.
qualify. You don't have to have already had a previous career or experience in this before you go out. He will equip you along the way. He tells them, he tells them the devils are subject to us. Subject to your name. When was the last time you saw a blinded eye open? I mean, who's seen a blinded eye open this year? Praise God. Who's seen the deaf talk this year? If you are a laborer, raise your hand. Put your hands down. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If you've baptized someone this year, ask yourself. If Ask yourself... Have I prayed anyone through to the Holy Ghost this year? Ask yourself that. Am I, am I entrenched in the harvest? Or am I entrenched with the affairs of this life? Ask yourself that question. Are you treading on serpents? Have you cast out any devils? I'm saying this to say, I'm asking you these questions. And I know that they're hard questions to ask yourself. But you're never going to get the results that you need to get if you're, not afraid, if, if you're going to be afraid to ask yourself the questions that you don't want the answers to. Talking about how to get the results. Because if, if we don't, if we don't do that, then we'll just dumb down everything. Our expectation will begin to dwindle down to a little bit of nothing. To the place where I was with someone not long ago and they were like, went past the video, they said, man, what is that? I said, it was a devil being cast out. And they were like, I ain't never seen nothing like that in an apostolic church. One of those big churches. To a place where devils, there are people that are now convinced that people don't even have devils anymore. That's not a devil, that's just a mental disorder. I, 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 he don't need to go to... We get offended when folks come to the altar to get a devil cast out. I, I don't want you, you, why don't you... Why don't you bring the baby... Why don't you bring your, your son to the altar? You know, he got a few... Don't y'all be praying. My, my, my son's got a some such a kind of disorder. Uh, 
Your son has a spiritual disorder. But because we're not seeing devils cast out, people are losing confidence in what happens at the altar. And I can partly understand. Because if you're not, see the thing is, the culture, they went out, they did, it just, these disciples, what Jesus was teaching them was like, listen, what you're doing is something that's going to happen all the time. You're, you're not doing this as a niche for your ministry or you're not doing this to, 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 as, as a form of entertainment. There are times I go places I know people want me to prophesy. Because they have perverted. They're perverted in their heart. To the place where they don't realize that they themselves can do this. But because they refuse to go out and labor, they don't get the results that a labor would get. You know, some people look like they go to work and some people don't. But there's some skills that you will develop if you will work. The Bible says you have your senses exercised by reason of use. The more you use it, the stronger you get. The more you use it, the greater you get. But if you can only use it where there's an audience, you're not a minister, you're an entertainer. And because you can't make it to Hollywood, you settle for the church entertainment industry or ministry. But can I tell you that all of this going on and the harvest is still great. And the harvest is still dying. And then we ask, you know, everybody says this, am I in an apostolic church? No, we're not. No, you're not. You might be apostolic in doctrine, but are you apostolic in obedience? Are you apostolic in labor? Are you apostolic in love? Are you apostolic in fellowship? Are you apostolic in prayer? I'm not just talking about being where apostolic people are. He said, don't get excited over the devils being cast out. Don't get excited about the miracles, signs, and wonders. I, I don't want you, don't you know that the devils are, he said, I beheld Satan as lightning. You know, I think that oftentimes many of us want miracles, signs, and wonders because our, we, we have no excitement for where we're going. I'm not saying we should not have an appreciation for it. I'm saying that if you will use what I'm talking about, you'll see it even more. Not just when you come to church. 
Jesus did more. There are more things recorded in the Acts and in the gospel that took place outside of the gatherings than it took place inside of the gatherings. It got down to the place that people started finding where Jesus was at in people's houses. And people were gathering around their houses trying to get into just a a dinner table. But that's only going to happen if you're willing to go to somebody's dinner table. You want a book of Acts revival. You got to have a book of Acts obedience. They left everything. You're not going to have a book of Acts revival. You can have a book of Acts church that says it on the sign. But you're not going to have a book of Acts revival if you're not book of Acts compliance. There has to be something along the way where you say, honey, we're getting ready to downsize. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it's going to take for you. Or maybe what it's going to take is that I'm going to step out. I'm going to go outside of my house. <laughs> I'm going to go to my neighbors. I'm going to knock on. I'm just going to take the instruction. Quit looking at the model. Look at the scripture where Jesus speaks to his disciples. Put yourself in the picture like he's speaking to you. And whatever he tells his disciples to do, look at it like he's telling you to do it. And it says, after these, the Lord appointed 70. Well, let's say this. After these, my brother, come up. Come on back up. What's your name? Joshua? Tommy? The Lord appointed Joshua and Tommy and sent them by two before his face into every city. God sends someone to every city? Yeah. Yeah. God wants to send you to more than just a certain neighborhood. What he's put into you is for every city. But 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 you got to do something in the city that you're at. There's no point of going to Africa if you won't go here. He sent them into every city. And the Bible says that into every and place whether he himself would come. I mean, he's going to send you to places and you're not even going to, there's going to be some places that won't even feel like he's there. But he's like, I would go there. And you, you, you ask yourself, well, would Jesus go there? Then, then go. Go. See, they're, they're young. But everybody expects somebody that's young to do it. I need some old folk. Let me pick them out. 
You know spring chicken. Stand up. Come here, sister. Stand up. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. You know spring chicken either. Yeah, you stand on the Come on. Yeah, come on up. I need one other old person. You with the white hat on. Yeah, you ain't, you know, you know, good and well you ain't 25. <laughs> uh, no. There's nothing wrong with being old. Nothing wrong with being old. I pray I get old one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> no, no, I'm not in a hurry. I know it gets there quick. We honor the, our elders. The Bible declares that the older women teach the younger women. You have a responsibility in here, but you're in here because someone went out there. We have to go out there. The Bible says the Lord appointed, what's your name? Joan, Helen, Brenda, Watson, Wilson, Wilson, one son. All right, we're going to get it. I'm going to do it. What's your name again? Joan, Joan and Helen. God's appointing Joan and Helen. See, the thing is, you don't have to be 25 to be appointed. What's your name again? Brenda Wan Sung. God's appointed Helen and Wan Sung. You don't have to be Brenda. Oh, I'm sorry. God appointed Brenda and Wan Sung. Y'all just did that because y'all want to hear me say it again. <laughs> See if I mess it up. I know. <laughs> God appointed them. You don't have to be 25. Any of you got arthritis? <laughs> All right. But, 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 the, but, but your arthritis, your physical condition does not disqualify you from your spiritual condition. You've got to go. Now, these men had never, had never been used of God before. But they were when they went. I see so many people that are sitting in an altar praying, God, I want you to anoint me. You don't get anointed necessarily just at an altar. You get anointed at work. It's like someone going to, going, going to a, a, a classroom just listening to videos to get a skill. You need to go to work. <laughs> you need a job. <laughs> you ever met somebody, they just, they, they just, they watching YouTube. 
because that's a field that they want to get into. That, that's good. You're watching YouTube, but you need to go to job to work. You need to go get a job. Turn to someone and tell them it's time to get a job. Turn to somebody else. You need a job. Somebody call you with some gossip. You need to tell them you need a job. Somebody sends you a, a text message about somebody else and some drama. Tell them you need to text them. You need a job. Somebody didn't come to church. They should have been to church more than text them and tell them you need a job. You need a job. You say, well, man, I feel like, man, I, I feel like, I feel like I can't grow here. You need a job. I feel like they ain't got no room for me in this place. They, they, everybody, they, they, they ain't got no room for me in this place. Tell, tell them you need a job. See, sometimes what you think is work is what you see on the platform. No. God wants to give you a platform in your community. The biggest platforms are the ones that have no microphone. Now, this is where it gets amazing. You get a guy like this one. Come here, my brother in the red. You're the only one. <laughs> What's your name? Corey. All right. Let's say you've never really been used of God at all. But you run into Corey. And let's say Corey has a major back injury. All right. And let's say Corey's been dealing with this thing for years. You ain't got no back injuries, do you? All right. You got any injuries? All right. Sit down, Corey. I need somebody that got an injury. <laughs> no, come on. Come on up here, Corey. It'd be Corey the Apostle. Come on. He's another disciple. You stay up here, Corey. I need somebody up here that's an ex that that that's got a major issue. I don't care what it is. Major sickness, disease. All right? Come. You can come. Church, listen. We can't keep ignoring stuff like this. We cannot keep ignoring stuff like this. My friend, do you mind if I bring you to her? What's your name? <laughs> She's like, leave me alone. You say your name is Nathaniel? Okay, what's your name? 
Brian. All right. Church. The power and the authority that the apostles had. Was it apostolic? By what power and by what authority they cast out those sicknesses and diseases? Was it by the apostolic power? It says by the, by the authority of Jesus' name. Your authority isn't because you're apostolic. Your authority comes because of the name. The apostles were who they were. Jesus is who he is. And it's by that name that sicknesses are healed. It's not only by that name, it's by that authority that demons are cast out. Look, we can't keep overlooking this. Because when I read in the scriptures, when I read in the scriptures and it shows me that Jesus healed all of these people, people that came to him, healed all of them. There was some that the disciples could not heal. And Jesus made the statement. He said, these come not out but by prayer and fasting. Church, when they fast, they fast. When they pray, they pray. If you're going to be an effective laborer, you're going to have to be an effective faster. I'm not talking about Daniel fast. I'm sorry if y'all do it, but that's not a fast. It's not in the Bible. That was just Daniel's appetite. That was just Daniel's food meal plan. But you can't take a meal plan and turn it into a fast. Fast is when you don't eat. It's not fasting social media. You, you got to understand that when they, got, when they went on fast, everybody say a Bible fast. When they went on a Bible fast, a biblical fast, they did not eat. And when they did not eat, the results were great. He said, these things come not out but by prayer and fasting. Now check this out. Do you think you can go a thousand, two thousand years in the future? And Jesus says, these things come out by prayer and fasting. And you think because you fast social media for 20 days... You think that you, you've gotten into a season where we're dealing with more devils than what they were dealing with back then and you think you can have less commitment and have the same results that they had back then? 
A fast is a fast. That means no food. That means it goes beyond. They weren't just doing, you know, from 12 to 4, from, from 6 to 12. Well, you know, everybody don't like to eat. They didn't, everybody don't like the fast. They didn't like the fast back then. Well, you know, people don't like to, you know, everybody got, you know, we got people that are sick. and pe- They were sick back then. David would call fast and the whole king, they, they fasted dogs, cats, and everything. Church. Laborers understand it's not about them. See, when you're laboring, you're not working for yourself. You're working for the one that called you to work. Are you a laborer or are you in the unemployment line? Some of us have been collecting unemployment. Or you're just on spiritual welfare. But a laborer, he runs into situations like this. They run into situations like this. They don't look for the easiest situation first. I'm telling you, I don't know who you are. But if you will not be intimidated and you will be consistent and you'll be faithful, you will see crazy miracles all the time. All the time. But listen, that's everybody. You ever met somebody that's always broke, but they never go to work? It's probably the problem. They said, I done fell on hard times. No, you just, you ain't fell on hard times. You just can't get out the bed. Fell on the soft bed. That's what it is. Get up out the bed and go to work. People that see miracles all the time, work all the time. People that don't see it every once in a while. I had someone call me and they said, Brother Herb, why aren't we seeing these things? I said, no, it's the people that ain't doing them. They don't see them all the time. The people that do it see it all the time. You got to get out and you got to do it. So what do you do? He would send them to people like this. He would send disciples to people like this. He would send people to folks that had devils. See, the thing is, when you're dealing with somebody who got a devil, you ain't got to get your gun out the car. 
just in case this goes south. It's a devil. You've got authority over that devil. Tells him, I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you. And amazingly, you know what he else did? When they would go into places and they would get people that were afflicted, after they got healed, they went out and preached. We've got to get this out of the church. You want to have revival, you got to get this message out of the church and get it into the afflicted people. When the afflicted people get this message, they will run with it. But you can't just have a message, you got to have power. You got to have power. He said, I send you out like sheep among wolves. If you're looking for safety, you're in the wrong place. Safety is in the presence and the will of God. It's possible for your soul to be safe and your flesh to be in danger. But that's where the greatest revival is. My brother, what's your name? What's his name? Nathaniel, how long have you been in this wheelchair? All your life. When you, go, when you have dreams, are you walking or are you in the wheelchair in your dreams? He walks in his dreams. A man that has never walked a day in his life, in his dreams, he doesn't live in a wheelchair. In his dreams, he's walking. Is he fine? Everything fine? Huh? He gets worn out. He can sit down if he wants. Church. People brought their children to his disciples with situations like this. And when they could not get their children healed, they went and they told on the disciples to Jesus. They basically was like, I want to know why he can't get my child healed. They, were, they had a problem. But the disciples didn't blame their faith. He did, they didn't blame it on, Jesus didn't blame it on the people that needed the miracle. Jesus didn't blame it on God. Jesus began to deal with little faith. Jesus also began to deal with praying and fasting. If you will have faith and you will pray and fast and you will be consistent, miracles will happen all the time. The thing is, if everything you do is just confined to this place, you're not going to see very many miracles. Or if you do, it will not be as great as it would if you go out there. 
See, in here, people will broadcast your name. But out there, they will broadcast his name. Was not intending to go this long. But God's looking for somebody that will tread on the serpent. He says, I give you power over devils. Why are you so shocked that God can do this? He said, I beheld Satan as lightning, casting him before the earth. See, the thing is, I'm persuaded sometimes. I've seen it where there's some situations where a person, if I told you to pray for this young man to get him out of his wheelchair right now, Would you feel more confident doing it right here in front of everybody or would you feel more confident doing them if you just ran into them randomly on the street? Huh? Probably right here. And then what happens is when you do that, then your pressure is on. Because now everybody is looking at you. And in your mind, and all of a sudden, everybody starts praying. Everybody starts praying. But after a while, something ain't happened. Everything just kind of lifts. And now you're like, should I keep going? Should I keep going? And people are looking at you funny. Because there's no patience in the place. But if you walked up to them randomly in the city somewhere, and you said, man, God will heal you. Why am I saying that? Because his word says that. He said, by his stripes we're healed. Same miracles that Jesus did for everybody else is done for. The same miracles that he did, he says, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It is the will of God for you to be healed. I remember one time years ago, I preached at a place that had a whole bunch of people getting miracles. And I had a bishop, a pastor, that got upset because I prayed for a young man. And he didn't get healed. And he felt like in order to protect people, you shouldn't just be randomly praying for people. I feel like now... He was more concerned about trying to keep members in his congregation than he was concerned about people getting healed. There's some people that are comfortable and content with you being bound and afflicted. Just don't leave. Then they run the risk of you being healed and you can really be free. What am I saying? Maybe I should have pushed my plate back a little more. Maybe I should have believed God a little more. But I'm telling you, these signs still follow them that believe in his name. The culture has to change. 
Because many of us have never seen anyone get out of a wheelchair like this. I was in a revival one time in Pennsylvania. There was a gentleman that was in a wheelchair. He'd been in one all of his life. He had palsy. And he was a preacher. But he was, I can't tell the story. Well, I can tell the story. Nobody here knows who these people are. This guy was really mean. He was prophetic. And next thing you know, he was trying, he just really being real mean to everybody in the church, and we were doing the conference. I was in this conference, and he was in the conference. and He was just real mean. I wouldn't let him lay hands on me. It created a scene and all that stuff, and I said, your problem is, is that you need to be healed. I said, your issue is that you've got this complex because of your physical condition. It, it opened up on the floor. He, he was messy, and it just kind of shut down the meeting just for the moment, and you see these two prophetic guys going back and forth. I said, your condition is that you've got an issue because of your infirmity. I said, God wants to heal you. I said, do you believe that God will make you walk right now? And he's like, yep, yeah, yeah, I believe God to do it. I believe God to do it. This whole attitude was wrong. Went over to the guy, laid hands on him, began to pray, and stood him up. What is your condition? Huh? Okay, muscu- like a muscular dystrophy. Okay. So what happens is I go and I pick him up. As soon as I stood him up, the man turns around. He starts walking. This is probably about five years ago. Starts walking. The church goes up in an uproar. But then what happens is when they go up in an uproar, the man gets upset because he had a problem with me. He didn't like me. And by him walking, it was almost as if, like, in his eyes, his miracle was validating that God was with me. So when that happened, that man turned around and said, give me my wheelchair, give me my wheelchair, give me my wheelchair. And he sat back down, and he said, I refuse. He said, he said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, but, 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 but you're going to turn around. You're gonna, if it ain't my time to walk and get my miracle, and I turn around and you, you get me up out this wheelchair, it ain't my time to get my miracle. God's going to put something worse on me than what I've got. And if that happens, you're, you're a false prophet. True story, the man never walked again. But there was a congregation full of people that showed up to that conference, building full of people that were in that conference that saw a man walk away from his miracle. I said that to say that I've seen people healed in your condition. I've seen people, God heal people like his condition. But the issue is this. Many of you have not. So therefore, when you're not laboring, now if you're a laborer, if you're a laborer, you're comfortable with praying with people. You've become more comfortable over time with praying with people. You're a laborer. You know what's going to happen? you're not spectating 
It's very hard for people to step out in an atmosphere of people that don't labor. The reason why is because that atmosphere is like spectators. One thing when you're in the atmosphere of sinners that are spectating. It's a whole other thing when you're in the atmosphere of saints that are spectating. But if you will separate yourself from that, and you will step out and say, you know what? I'm leaving this place. What I mean by that? I'm going to go to the, I'm, go, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to wherever the problem is. You don't necessarily have to need God to speak to you in a, in a, with his voice. He's commissioned you. You don't need him to give you dated minute to minute input on what he's commissioned you to do. You have grandchildren? You have any grandchildren? You have any children? All right. I got grandbabies. I got one. You got grandchildren? You don't have to wait for your children. You ever watch your grandchildren? All right, so when you're watching them, you don't have to call the mom and say, hey, you mind if I feed the baby? You mind if I change the diaper? Why? You have the authority to do that. We have a hard time exercising authority when we're not used to doing certain things. You don't have to ask for permission when God has given you the authority to move. You've got to have a good understanding of what you have authority with. And he told them, who in this room is like, Brother Hurt, I am not in the place that I need to be with God. I want you to stand up right now. I'm not in the place where I need to be, but uh, now if you want to sit down, you can. You know, if you're good, it's like, man, I'm good. Me and Jesus, we cool. I want to be. The Bible says, be not hearers of the word only. Be doers. What we're going to do is we're going to repent. We're going to repent in boasting and being apostolic but refusing to be laborers. We're going to repent of that. We want to be sons. We want to be led by the Spirit. So what we're going to do right now, I want you to take your mind off of your children. I want you to take your mind off of your family. I want you to begin to talk to God right now. I want you to begin to repent of a lack of faith, lack of commitment. I want you to be honest and just be like, God, I didn't even realize this. Repent of fear. Repent of anxiety. 
Repent of that. Come on. We're going to repent. It's not about us. It's about him. Come on. That's it. Come on. God, I want to be, I don't want to just be effective. I want to be productive. I want to be most productive. I want to be a good steward over what you've given me, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Remember how it was when you first got the Holy Ghost and you had to make some major decisions. There was a major turning that you had to make. You were in a major place. The difference was night and day. Church, we are coming back to another road called a place of repentance. And there's some major decisions that we've got to make. Come on, what do you mean? It's like them crossing Jordan. I mean, crossing the Red Sea. I know you crossed the Red Sea back when you, were, when you first got saved. Come on, but you're coming to cross a whole other kind of body of water. Come on, there's a major transition that's got to take place. Either you die on this side of Jordan or you live on the other side. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Not just praying just to be speaking words, but actually searching the heart. Actually saying, God, I've got to, I've got to make a move. I've got to make a response. I've got to make a decision. It's time for me to walk away from some things. Whatever it takes, come on. Come on, see, when you get a new job, your employer will determine your work hours. Doesn't matter what you've got on schedule. Doesn't matter what you've got planned. See, when you take on a new position, you take on a new job, your, your, your life will begin to revolve around those hours and those schedules that your new employer will put on you. Come on. Come on. God has, has a job for you to do. He's going to partner you with somebody. But you've got to go. Come on, he said, I've given you power over serpents. Come on, we shout about that with no intention of going. Come on. Come on, if, if I was to sit back and I was to preach about how you've got power over serpents and power to cast out devils, you would get excited. And off of your excitement, you will go. But can I tell you, it's going to take more than excitement to serve God. You can't serve him out of excitement. You've got to serve him out of love, commitment, and obedience. 
Because every day and everything is not always exciting. You have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. And I know that everybody in this room is not going to probably make that choice. I am aware that everybody in this room is not going to make that decision. But I'm talking to the people that will make it. Talking to the people that are going to make it. I know that there's some people that, that are going to just treat this message just like any other message. Come on, but there's some people in this room that are going to step out like that 70 and say, God, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Then what's going to happen, there's going to be some people, praise the Lord, that are going to submit themselves. You're going to lay hands on some sick people and God's going to heal them. You're going to pray some people through to the Holy Ghost. Come on, God, break us out of this box. Break us out of these parameters, Lord God, that we have placed ourselves in. We want to step into the place that you've designed us. Lord, you declared to, to Adam to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion in the earth. Lord God, we want to be fruitful. We want to multiply. We want to replenish. We want to subdue. We want to have dominion. We don't want to just pray for it. We want to apprehend it. Come on, church. You will apprehend what you pursue. Come on. Some of us are trying to gain through prayer that you will only gain through your obedience. The harvest is here, but you've got to go. You've got to commit yourself. The Bible talks about the 11th hour workers. We've got to work while it is day for the night cometh when no man can work. That's it in the name of Jesus. He's looking for somebody that will make a commitment. We got to make a decision. We're not going to sing you into that decision. We're not going to try to preach you in the. You've got to make a decision. You have to make a choice. You have to choose whether or not you're going to obey God or choose to just continue. 
Repentance requires death. One of the challenges is that when it comes down to getting a sinner to repentance, it's much easier sometimes than to get a saint to repentance. Because it's like what we've been doing has been working. But is it perfect? God wants to bring you to a place of perfection. If you get in the flow, you start moving. Things start happening. If a body just sits still too long, things are going to shut down. If a vehicle sits still too long, things are going to shut down. The authority, some of the things you're praying for, you'd have the authority confronted, but you've got to get out and start doing some things to develop those things that are necessary in your life to confront the things that you need dealt with either in your family or in your home. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on. You got to see this is your city. He sends laborers into a city. He sends them into a place. Where is the place that God is sending you? Come on, we're not just going to bypass this. Come on, we're not going to just bypass this. Where is he sending you? Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, in the name of Jesus. That's it in the name of Jesus. There you go. Come on. Who's the soul that God wants to send you to? Come on. Are you wanting God just to send you just to a somebody? Or are you wanting God to send you to everybody? If he sends you to everybody... You got to understand there's going to be some rejection. But everybody's not going to reject you. Everybody's not going to reject this message. Everybody's not going to reject Jesus. There's some hungry people. There's some thirsty people that are out there. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus.
I've seen it where people that were injured, they, they, they had a stroke or doctors said they were never going to walk. They said, I'm going to walk again. I've seen it where children were born deaf, ended up getting healed because their parents said, one of these days, you're going to hear. Church, we got to quit being comfortable and content with people being in their affliction and their infirmity, and we've got the power to move it. Don't happen right now, it's going to happen. And I'm going to confront it every single moment. I'm going to confront every single day that I come in contact with it. I'm going to believe that God's going to do it today. And if it don't happen today, I'm going to believe he's going to do it tomorrow. If it don't happen tomorrow, I'm going to believe again. You've got to get some audacity. you got to get some boldness. In the name of Jesus. Sometimes we're concerned about what if I hurt their feelings? What if you don't? What if the miracle actually happens? What if the breakthrough actually happens? What if the deliverance actually happens? What if it could have happened, but you were concerned about the wrong thing, and because you were concerned about the wrong thing, it never happened? Come on, in the name of Jesus. You're exercising your senses. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, you see somebody needs the Holy Ghost, pray them through. You see somebody needs it. We got people being baptized right now. You see somebody needs to be baptized? Compel them. Tell them it's time to go down in water. Tell them you want your sins washed away? This is where you go. This is how you get rid of them. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, the Spirit of God's in this room. There's deliverance here. He said that. He said, well, two or three are gathered together in my name. He said, I'm in the midst of them. He's not here because you feel him. He's here because you're here in his name. That's why he sent you forth into every city. If you go, I'll get there. Come on, in the name of Jesus. 
I know he's going to move. Not because I feel him. I know he's going to move because you're here and you're touching and agreeing. He said, well, two or three touching the agree on one thing. He said, I'll do it. He said, if you bind it on earth, he said, I'll bind it in heaven. If I loose it on earth, I'll loose it in heaven. He said, if I bind it on, if you bind it on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. The reason why him and the devil are not working on the same team. I know that you're on earth. He said, but I stand in the heavens. He said, whatever you do on earth, I'll back it up in heaven if it lines up with my word. Whatever you do on earth, I'll back it from heaven if it lines with my word. Your deliverance is in the word of God. Your breakthrough is in the word of God. Your liberty, your healing, it's in the word of God. Your ministry right now is in the word of God. Come on in the name of Jesus. If the doctor said you couldn't do something, try to do it. I rebuke the spirit of fear off of you. I bind and I rebuke the spirit of fear off of you. You don't even realize you're transitioning right now. By the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. We release healing over this house. We release the miraculous over this house. Come on. I want you to esteem one another. Come on. Person that's praying for you. They're not just some random person in the church. They're one of Jesus' disciples. They're one of those laborers that Jesus sent forth. Oh, yes. In the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Thank you.
Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. of Jesus. Come on, church. In the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's time for your deliverance. Come on. Come on. God, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to leave this power in the building. Come on, if you need a miracle, God, if you give me this miracle, I will broadcast it through the whole world. I will not be silent about what you've done. Come on, church. We need laborers that will go out into the harvest and will reap the harvest. And we need people that God set free that have a testimony to go out and tell the world what the Lord has done for you. The Bible says that we're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of His te- by the word of our testimony. In the name of Jesus. That's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. We give up way too fast. Come on, we give up way too fast. But I promise you, praise the Lord, if we will be the people and say, I will pray every single time. I'm going to believe every single time. You're going to come to a breaking point. And when that breaking point hits, uh, the whole levee's going to give way. And the next thing you know, you're going to see a major flow. I'm telling you, church, sometimes uh, what the enemy does uh, is he allows there to be a little frustration so that you won't step out. He'll allow there to be a little frustration to make you feel like it don't work uh, so he can get you to quit. Uh, but if there'll be somebody that will have the audacity and say, I'm going to pray uh, with boldness uh, with authority every single time uh, I'm going to lay hands uh, upon every person uh, that will let me lay hands on them. Uh, I'm going to believe God for miracles uh, of every person uh, that will allow me to believe God for a miracle on them. Uh, I'm going to tell you when you do that uh, something's going to break in your ministry. Something's going to break in that place. Uh, something's going to break in your city.
Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's nothing too hard for God. Come on. You are obeying God. You are obeying God. I know it feels uncomfortable sometimes, but obey them anyhow. send me to a church where people will believe God if something happens to me I need some people that are going to be around me say God's going to raise you up brother Hurd God's going to do it brother Hurd I don't want to be around people that want me to believe that I've got to accept uh, something that can be temporary set me around some people that will pray for me every Sunday set me around some people that will knock on my door and say you I'm going to believe God going to turn this thing around Come on, we've got to do this. Because the next disease, the next sickness, the next pandemic that will come, it'll, it, 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 it will intimidate some of God's people and literally shut down whole churches. Come on, what you're doing right now, you're exercising your spiritual muscles. Up. You're going to be prepared for the next thing that comes. And when the next thing comes, you won't have to shut down. You'll just cast out. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Need laborers. We need laborers in the altars. We need laborers in the pew. We need laborers on the job. We need laborers downtown. We need laborers in the workplace. We need laborers in the home. We need laborers in the apartment complex. I 
anointed. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Komanda bakosoto la bahaya. Ila damanlo da bakasita la bakaha. Ibada basoto la basata baha. Come on. I believe if you're going fast and say, God, I'm a fast because whatever it is, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. If I'm not fasting, that means that we're living in a lower place where we're living in a lower level. Come on, but God's looking for somebody that's not afraid to push back that plate and say, God, whatever comes out by prayer and fasting, I want that in my ministry. I'm willing to fast to have it. I'm willing to fast without to have it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There you go. Oh, yeah, there you go. Receive that right now in Jesus' name. That's it. Come on. Come on, people getting the Holy Ghost. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. Come on. 